Right, and we have kicked off. It is the Play On podcast at Podcast Play On with the Beer Rap and Banner boys at Beer Rap Bants. Thank you for listening on all your podcasts in platforms. I go by the name of Ben English. Hope you're all well. What's going on? I'm Ash. I'm Cal. How you doing, gentlemen? Yeah, all good. good. How are you? Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, no, really good, really good, really good. And we've got uh, another guest today, uh, and this is our first guest from a team outside the quote-unquote top four or top six. Um, we've got Hal Stewart. How you doing, Hal? Yeah, great. And uh, I mean, you know, last season you may not have been able to introduce us like that because uh, my team was really pushing for those top six places. Yeah, there was, but now it's a different, a different, a different tale. But we're going to that. So, <laughs> <laughs> how is a broadcaster on radio, a podcaster, writer, amongst other things? And I've known him uh, a long, well, a long time ago through music. And uh, we were just talking about going to sort of hip hop camp in the Czech Republic many years ago. But Cal, just just talk about what you're doing on the radio, and then we can talk about your beloved team. Yeah, it was good doing the uh, the music scene with you many years ago. It's been so long. Great to see you and speak to you again. Uh, I am yeah, a radio broadcaster, have been literally since I left uh, university and currently working for the British Forces Broadcasting Service. And uh, I also part of a YouTube channel, uh, In Good Nick channel. So you go youtube.com slash In Good Nick with uh, my co-host Nick. And it's the Sheffield United way because I support Sheffield United. There we go. There we go. And... Um... Just building on that, so we'll, we'll kickstart. How uh, would you sum up your team's uh, season, uh, season so far in three words? We'll do the season in three words so far. So season review in three words. Not quite enough. Not quite enough. And then what about yesterday's game against Liverpool? It could be the same three words, to be fair. I mean, just so unfortunate with uh, penalty decisions the Blades were given a very interesting penalty. I think everyone would agree, you know, was it even a foul? Was it on the line? All those sort of things could be debated. If there is a foul on the line, it is a penalty. I think once uh, again with VAR, when a referee gives it, it's very hard to overturn it. What we aren't really seeing with VAR is when a referee doesn't give it, like the foul on uh, Sander Berger by Jota. Uh, that was a blatant penalty for the Blades, but the referee didn't give it, my Dean, and VAR didn't want to overturn that one. Now, that was definitely uh, much clearer of a penalty than the one that Sheffield United were actually given. So for a moment, I thought, Sheffield United are actually going to be given some luck in my lifetime. And then within a few minutes, it's all erased and evened out, and we're back to the state of equilibrium I've known for 38 years. <laughs> um, so the game, I mean, you had chances, uh yesterday and uh, Liverpool obviously missing Virgil van Dijk didn't look as shaky maybe as people would have, would have had them down to losing their sort of their captain and their defensive uh, centrepiece Alisson was a bit shaky uh, with the ball at the back but I think you had chances and you were lucky in a few cases and maybe you know you could have nicked a draw would you think that would have been a fair result absolutely I unfortunately I have a lot of friends who support Liverpool and uh, they were messaging me after the game and I responded to all of them with I think a draw would have been a fair result. So, yeah, I think you surmised it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Ash, you made a good point with some of the strikers and the way Sheffield United are, are trying to work things out at the moment because, you know, not not doing too well at the start of the season. Yeah, I think they've got quite a few strikers on their books. I quite like Ollie McBurney, but as I was told by Hal earlier, he's only scored six in 41 games, which isn't really good enough for a Premier League striker. Um, Lise Mousset is injured. Um, something to do with his toe, I believe, and he's not back till December. So he 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 had good numbers. And they've got Brewster, they've got Sharp, they've got McGoldrick, they can play Burke up there. I just think Wilder needs to settle on a pair and say for the next 10 games, you guys are going to play because strikers need um, rhythm, they need a level of consistency. And I think once he settles on a pair, then I think you may see a better, um, um, like a, a better output from from the strikers. And also John Fex missing as well, which I think is a big miss for a team at Sheffield United. Yeah. How much Absolutely. Your on that? Well, you can't argue with that. I mean, a lot of people go on about um, Virgil van Dijk being out for Liverpool. That is, you know, it's a blow for Liverpool. Of course it is. He's the, one of the best centre-backs, if not the best centre-back in world football. But surely Jack O'Connell being out for Sheffield United, where we have such a small squad, actually impacts us far more. We don't have mm. anyone who can come in to replace Jack O'Connell. Literally no one. We're playing Jack Robinson, who's a left-back, to cover him. He's not been good enough. So then we played Ender Stevens, a left-back, 
again, to cover him. We literally don't have enough defenders when one of them goes down injured. So it was interesting that maybe you'd think Ethan Ampadu might have played there, but Wilder decided, no, uh, going to play him in midfield. So we really don't have any cover. We tried desperately to get a left-sided defender in before the window slammed shut, as it only slammed shut, doesn't close. And uh, we were unsuccessful. <laughs> we, we couldn't get a defender in. And it's really, really showing. And Jack O'Connell is, without doubt, of all the injuries that Ash correctly mentioned, the biggest loss. And um, Brewster making his debut against his old team. Um, a lot of responsibility for a young striker. Obviously, everyone doesn't doubt his talents. Um, he did well on loan towards the end of last season. Um, but what's your thoughts on him, how sort of coming into the team straight away? And he's, he's obviously going to have to find his feet with a, a team that plays quite sort of the way they play, uh, you know, contrast to Liverpool's sort of fast flowing movement. Well, uh, I mean, I, th- I think Sheffield United play one of the most exciting brands of football uh, in, in the world. Uh, so he'll he'll do well. Swansea play a very similar style. He scored 11 goals in 22 for Swansea. I think if any Sheffield United fan was asked, we would have Rian Brewster and Lise Mousset with everyone fully fit as our front two. Nice, nice, nice. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, right, we're just moving on. We will review... Uh, I'll tell you what, let's review the Premier League games because I know... We just touched on the Liverpool-Sheffield United game and then we can come back to some of the review of European football and El Clasico in a moment. If, guys, you're right with that, we'll go with Friday night's game. Um, Aston Villa losing 3-0 at home to a Leeds team, which, you know, keep getting better, finding their feet. And, you know, people were saying on the timeline that the the turning point was where Mings uh, manhandled uh, Bamford, um, sort of... The ball went in the box. Bamford came down on Mings's ankle and sort of was flying around a bit, trying to claim a penalty. Mings manhandled him, picked him up. Bamford came up back on and scored two amazing goals with his left foot. I know he had a header earlier, but uh, what a finish. Ash, what's your thoughts on Bamford? Sort of um, ex-Chelsea player, people say he able to make it in the Prem and he needs to be coming up with the goods. Yeah, like just a stunning hat-trick. I was watching... I was watching the scores come in because for fantasy manager, I put um, a Martinez in goal. And when they scored one, I was like, okay, fair dues. And then when he got the, when he got the hat-trick, it seemed to happen really quickly. Um, stunning, stunning finishes. But he, he's got that in his locker. Like, he's got this stroke um, where he just kind of, he passes the ball into the back of the net and it doesn't take, he doesn't use much back lift or there doesn't seem to be much energy with what he does, but he's a very clean striker of the ball. Um, I, I, I had my doubts as well. Um, with him, whether he can make it in the Premier League. The thing for Bam, for me with Bamford is sometimes the intensity level doesn't seem to be there. He's one of those players who kind of seems to be quite languid, will kind of walk for a game and then kind of have these moments. A little bit like Berbatov, not that he's that level of player at all, but that kind of demeanour. Um, but yes, it's an amazing win. Aston Villa going into that game had only conceded two goals and that was against Liverpool in a 7-2 win. So for, for Leeds to go there and to score three... That's a very big statement. Yeah. I mean, uh, Martinez uh, was everyone's sort of go-to for fantasy football. And I was contemplating putting him in uh, as he was a cheap option. But I sort of, I knew that the uh, bubble would have to burst eventually Mm. and they'd concede one goal. I didn't know three was going to go against them. Um, How, having sort of face leads in the championship, what's your thoughts on them as they've they've made the jump up to the Prem and they seem seem well suited with everything? (laughs) Yeah, hat-trick Banford. I mean, who saw that coming? He, he didn't really look like the kind of striker that was going to take to the Premier League quite as he has. I know Bielsa's a huge fan. I remember Banford scoring in training, an absolute worldie, and Bielsa, who never gets off his bucket, leapt off and ran towards him and gave him a big hug. And I think Bielsa's the kind of guy, he's so loyal to his players. I like the way Leeds play. They are very much the uh, Sheffield United of last season. And uh, they've taken to the Premier League by storm. They had so many shots against Villa. And actually, it was, it was a game which could have gone either way. So uh, it was quite interesting to see that it ended 3-0. Villa had their chances. That seems to be the way Leeds play. It's quite open, but it's very exciting. Yeah, it was a, it was a good one there. One for the Acabusters. Um, moving on to the early kickoff, one that could have gone either way. West Ham, after a remarkable comeback against Spurs last week, uh, and then Man City sort of coming back from a Champions League game midweek. One all, uh, my, uh, Antonio scoring an amazing overhead kick. You know, we all yeah. love Nick Antonio, the sort of story of coming up for the non-leagues. And you can see that he really appreciates his position of where he is. And, and if he can stay fit throughout the season, 
that's uh, not only good for West Ham, but obviously football fans all over the world. Um, Man City, Aguero starting, not really firing just yet and still trying to find their feet defensively. Ash, what was your thoughts on sort of a one-off fair result? So, yeah, I guess so. There's a couple of things I want to say. So, we know how much money Man City have spent on um, defenders recently. I think it's nearly that upwards of 400 million on defenders. But they've only spent like under 50 million on strikers and they've got two, like one completely world-class, still probably my favourite striker in the Premier League. And you've got Gabriel Jesus, who's a very good player, but I don't think he's, he's of the required level. But after that, they've got nothing else. And Raheem Sterling went up front and he had a couple of chances where he got played in and he just wasn't sharp. And they're the little fine margins that are going to end up costing City another title because on, they, they need to go and beat West Ham. They need to get a lead on Liverpool. Like, remember, Liverpool have lost their, like, their best defender. They're not looking as commanding as last year. City need to put the pressure on Liverpool, especially with them playing them in two weeks. So they need to get their noses ahead. So like dropping two points against West Ham, as much as they've been on a good run and, you know, they've been to Leicester and they went to Tottenham and they, they, like, they won and got a draw um, in those respective games. City need to be winning those kinds of games. I just think, I just think, yeah, I just think I'm really disappointed in City at the moment. Um, mm. they're, just, they're just not doing enough. And it's, it's actually quite poor because they're the only team that can really challenge Liverpool. And I actually think if they don't like, pull their socks off very soon, the title could be, could be over pretty quickly. Mm, yeah, they seem to sort of switch on second half and looked a lot better, but still they're pretty disappointed, especially with the two Sterling chances. Uh, good save yeah. from Fabianski. And uh, I mean, if you spoke to West Ham fans before these games, they'd be happy with two points mm. from these two games against Spurs and City. But uh, David Moyes is back. The way West Ham playing, uh, the fans are happy. And uh, Man City with it all to do, especially defensively and up top. Um, just moving on, Fulham won Palace to uh, Craven Cottage was looking more like a starving stadium the way uh, <laughs> the refurbishments they're looking to build on it but by the time they'll build, build the extension I think they'll be back down in the championship before no time Scott Parker he looks the, he looks the you know he looks it he talks it um, however I can't see him staying any longer before Christmas if these results continue uh, Palace seem to be bossing it at 2-0 and then sort of a, a late a late attack I've had them on their seats a bit, but yeah. um, another another result for Palace and Zaha now obviously having to do the business and showing why he's the best player in the in the squad. He was the best player on the pitch, and if he wants to get this move out of South London, he's going about it all the right way this season. Not complaining, not diving. He's yeah, got an he absolutely incredible. Well, actually, there was an incredible bit of skill in that match um, before he scored uh, his goal, which was pretty much a tapping. Um, and yeah, I think he's doing all of the right things. I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Zaha right now. Uh, it's nice mm. to see him playing up front and uh, being like the main focal point in the attack. Yep. And I think uh, having Batshuayi playing with him now, because he did really well when he was there at loan originally, uh, and he obviously had the assist. Um, I was a bit disappointed with the late goal that they conceded, obviously having Mitchell yeah, on, the, on my fantasy team. But Fulham, it's not looking too good. Uh, everyone's favourites to go straight back down. Massive game next weekend against West Brom um, we'll move on How? what was your views on arguably the biggest game other than the Sheffield United game Liverpool but Man United nil Chelsea nil um, either team could have won it Chelsea for me looking like they could have edged it with some chances uh, did you watch the game or what were your thoughts on it yeah I did watch the game I wish I hadn't watched the game my wife wanted to watch something on Netflix I was like no no this is going to be a great game it'll be the goalliest game of the weekend and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I looked like a bit of a fool. I thought that there should have been a penalty as Pilaqueta was sort of um, manhandled. Oh, but, yeah, um, 100%. It, you know, it wasn't given. And you do wonder, what is VAR actually for? It seems to be so inconsistent. And the whole idea was it would stop us having these debates afterwards because there wouldn't be mistakes. There seems to be more now. And I am personally a purist. I'm from the north, which means I don't like change. And <laughs> I, like, uh, I like football to be as similar as possible to the game you play on the park with your mates. And it's getting further and further away from that. And VAR, if it was making the game better, which arguably it did in the previous World Cup because it wasn't used in the same way as being now, uh, VAR could be a good thing. It's being utilised all wrong. And that game was one really good example. Yeah, that mm. Maguire. Maguire manhandling. It was like he was mm. back on the... Uh, Back in, back on holiday again. Back, back, back in Mykonos. <laughs> <laughs> Man handled those Albanian fogs or whatever it was. He was um, 
that should have been a penalty. That should have been flagged up by VAR. Um, but United and Chelsea, sort of Chelsea having to work on the defence, really disappointing. Classico was yesterday. Uh, Cal, I know you streamed it. I know you watched it. Um, what were your thoughts on sort of the game and then the fact that there were no fans there to, to take in this uh, this bigger game that's watched over the world? Um, I didn't actually watch the whole game, to be honest. I was kind of playing FIFA while watching it. Uh, so uh, I was catching little bits and bobs. Um, but in general, uh, I did like the way that Messi was playing with Ansu Fati. I think it's always nice to see one of the elder statesmen of a club really taken to a young player coming through. Mm. And uh, I've seen a lot at Arsenal when the young players come through, sometimes the star player doesn't want to give them the ball all the time in case they make a mistake and mess things up. Um, so I thought that might be the case with Messi, but Messi seemed to love playing with Ansu Fati. He's always giving them the ball. And, you know, and, and the boys started to shine. He scored his goal. And um, Barcelona, they were playing some lovely bits of football in little bits and pieces. But overall, this this rebuild project they've got going on, it seems like there's still some work to do. They let go a lot of of the um, the guys in the summer after getting absolutely thrashed in the Champions League. Um, and uh, there's 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 still quite a gulf in quality between what Barcelona are doing and what Real Madrid are doing. Real Madrid are looking like a very settled side. You know, they've got uh, the likes of Modric in there, Asensio with some brilliant skills. If you if you saw the game, you would have seen an absolute masterclass from Real Madrid. Mm. Um, and it was just a shame that there is such a goal from quality because usually those games are very close. They're very tight. Um, and uh, this one, it just looked like there was only going to be one winner. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, for, for us, the experience of watching it at home, uh, being like an armchair supporter, it's not that bad because you kind of have the options of watching with the sound on and stuff like that. And they've got the artificial sound. So it kind of feels like a, a similar to a normal match experience, but obviously no fans being in the stadium. Um, I didn't notice anything quirky they were doing over there. Like, uh, you know, watching some of the NBA playoffs, um, you could see they had the little video screens up with the fans. Um, and, you know, we've spoken before about how they were doing it in Germany where they've got like a, little boards up and stuff with pictures of fans and, and, and little things like this. Um, but no, in La Liga, it seemed like it was just an empty stadium, loads of advertising boards um, and uh, and everybody playing. But uh, yeah. it was a brilliant game of football. Um, it was just a huge gulf in quality between Madrid and Barcelona. And Barcelona won't be happy about that at all. No, and then especially with like Suarez sort of, you're saying players being shifted out and Suarez doing so well with Atletico and it doesn't seem that Barcelona have carried on with that next wave of youngsters or, or local talent where Madrid have a history of, you know, uh, the Galacticos, you know, the buying the, the, the top players. They just keep putting their, their hand in their pockets and buying people. So Barcelona with it all. I've got to also do. say uh, that uh, Sergio Dest looks like a little player as well, uh, right back playing at Barcelona. Um, he had a pretty good game against Madrid. Um, and he's he's a, a young player they've got coming through there. Whether they have a whole squad of youngsters coming through, I'm not so sure. Um, usually, you know, the, the Barcelona Academy is pretty good. Arsenal signed loads of players from their academy over the years. Mm. Um, Cesc Fabregas being, um, you know, the biggest one. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident Barca will bounce back. It's just a, it's a bit of a transitional period for them right now. Um, and uh, Bragan rights go to Real Madrid after El Clasico. That's it. Right, just... Um... Champions League and Europa League. Uh, I'm going to start with Ash and then if anyone wants to chime in. Were there any games out of the results over the Tuesday and Wednesday fixtures that caught your eye? Obviously, there was uh, PSG, Man United, the, the, the game of millions, you know, the two teams that can't afford to not win the Champions League, the amount of money they've poured into it. Uh, and Rashford returning, obviously, where he did his damage uh, before, a few seasons ago. Uh, Ash, any, any pictures that took your fancy there? Yeah, I think that's the big result. <clears throat> I don't think many people batch United to go there and win. Um, like PSG had pretty much all of their big guns out. Um, 
was a, again, it was a really weird game because there was a lot going on. I think what it does signify, and someone said something about it is, um, and I think Howell will explain it a bit better. So David De Gea seems to have regained a lot of his form. And I think a lot of that is down to kind of maybe who's now the number two. Sergio Romero was happy to just, like, happy to be there.com. Like, mm. literally, he's like, oh, I'm at United, cool. Like, if I get a couple of cup games, that, that's all good. But Dean Henderson's gone there and he said he wants to play. So I yeah. think he knows that if he keeps making those mistakes and his levels drop, they've got a very adequate deputy there. And I think that's actually pushed him to be better. And I think that's the big thing that I've seen from him this season. How? What's your thoughts on sort of uh, Henderson sort of moving on, not... Didn't stay on, obviously, like going to Man United. I mean, you're obviously missing him. Um, England's arguably number one, number two behind Pope now. Pickford shouldn't even be, you know, shouldn't even Agreed. be seen. Pickford the, the But um, are you missing him, Howe, in goal? I know you've got... Uh, well, Ramsdale. Ramsdale's our, our, our returned goalkeeper. He was our keeper. We actually sold him when Chris Wilder, on the day Chris Wilder got married uh, to Bournemouth, he got a little text while he was just about to agree to, uh, yes, take your hand from the chairman saying we've just sold him to, to Bournemouth. So anyway, we brought Ramsdale back, uh, but that's not what you asked me. So Dean Henderson, I think physically the best goalkeeper I've ever seen, mentally, bit of an idiot. And I say that because this is a tournament year and he has decided to go and sit on the bench mm. when he would have been number one mm. for Sheffield United if he'd had mm. a third season. And he would have been our number one. We, wouldn't, we didn't need to go and sign another goalkeeper. We were quite happy. We wanted him back. So I was very surprised he made that decision. But hey, uh, it's his call. And now we've got a goalkeeper in Ramsdale. He'll probably be our number one for 10, 15 years. Yeah. And then he's sitting That's on the bench. interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that, actually. But I suppose, I think he thought this was probably the best time to strike because the gay's power seemed to be on the wane. Yeah, but he seems to be... Uh, I mean, I haven't noticed any glaring mistakes from De Gea and obviously he was Man United sort of player of the year a few seasons and, and Solskjaer seems to trust him. Uh, and in big games like that, you're going to go with your trusted keeper with experience in Europe and whatnot. So watch this space. Um, how Any other games that took your fancy over the European Champions League week? Well... Uh... My wife wanted to watch something on Netflix and uh, I said, no, we're going to watch Chelsea Sevilla. This is going to be the, the goaliest game of, <laughs> Deja of, vu. of the Champions League. <laughs> I'm going to uh, have to remember this with my wife. <laughs> I mean, she's got absolutely no time for me at the moment and my decision-making when it comes to what to watch on the box. Yeah, I made a mistake. Chelsea Sevilla uh, was not a game that will go down fondly in the memory warehouse. No, obviously Chelsea sort of conscious of conceding goals of what's happened and, and then getting, you know, uh, or draw that was there. Um, Cow, any games over the week that you saw that you caught your fancy? Um, sorry, any games over the weekend or the week, last week? Sorry, so yeah, week. So Champions League or Europa League. I mean, we can touch on the Arsenal rapid Vienna game, or if there's any Champions League games that you want to touch on before we move on. PSG and United. I thought that was an interesting game. Um, it's always good watching Kylian and Mbappe and Neymar play, but. To be honest with you, it seemed like the best player on the pitch was Marcus Rashford on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think we often kind of think of, of our players as, as being on that level. But when you actually have Rashford and Bappe, Neymar all on the same pitch, and then Rashford actually ends up having the best performance, it kind of makes you think, is he, is he up to that level? Because I, I would say so. I would say so. I'd say he's up there. I'd say he's Man United's, uh, other than Fernandez, he's their best player, most important player. And um, I'm going to disagree. I don't think Rashford is is of an elite level yet. I think he has potential to, to get there. But I think if you're talking about these people having their best day, Rashford's best day doesn't isn't close to Mbappe's or Neymar's. Because mate, uh, good point, but maybe because they're in, he's in a lesser team of like the France France national squad, the Brazilian national squad, and PSG, which get further than Man United. If if he was sort of of a different nationality, you could argue he'd be up there. Um, he's up there, man. He's in terms of there. individual contribution, like just individual skill, I um, think you know maybe yeah. maybe Rashford isn't as skillful as Neymar. But he does appear to be a bit more consistent. No one's as skillful as Neymar. I mean, Neymar with the with the with the skills and the flicks is amazing. His his behaviour and sportsmanship and his ability to bitch and shit house is and another thing. But Rashford, you got to give him his flowers. You got to give him that. You got to give the kids. No, no, no. Listen, this is this is not me. This is not me being horrible to Rashford, is it? I'm just saying. 
I, oh, what I think dude. happens is no, 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 no. Well, you, didn't vote, you didn't vote conservative, did you? I should have voted. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Listen, I feed my young people. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I think when we talk about that like, kind of world class, I think sometimes we're a bit quick to call someone world class or they're this or they're that. Like, I don't see Rashford as being one of the top five players in the league. So I don't know how I can then say Rashford is of the level of Mbappe and Neymar. Like I can easily think of five players in the Premier League right now who are better than Rashford. Go on. So I would. I, so I wouldn't. Okay. So Money's better than him. Salah's better than him. Van Dijk's better than him. KDB's better than him. Aguero's better than him. Kane's better than him. Son's better than him. Should I continue? Yeah, but you can say them players are better than Neymar. Ah, uh, no. I, and in fact, yeah, why not? You could say that. You could say. I, I'm I wouldn't. I wouldn't personally. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I think you know. I know how much you love that you're a proper Neymar stamp, like fanboy, but. I don't know, man. He hasn't been so consistent recently, Neymar. Do you think... Mane's uh, better than both of them. Mbappe and Neymar. Yeah, I do think oh, Neymar... Nah, nah, no, no. Neymar's made his levels drop a little. No. Right, 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 hold on. We're getting into, we're getting into the barbershop. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to put a pin in this. Out yeah. here, Rap Vance. Let yeah. us know your thoughts and feelings. Um, we'll just quickly touch on... This is, this is, this is me pulling sort of... Pulling the strings now. <laughs> Quickly touch on your own part. Just um, we'll just and anyone's thoughts on Arsenal having to play in front of a crowd, um, but for the first time, obviously no fans in the league here in England. But having to play in front of a, a semi-hostile crowd, as hostile as you can, can get in Vienna, and then some awful refereeing decisions. A really tough referee, but coming up with the away win that was very impressive. Um, shaky from Leno Ash views on sort of. Leno's inability to play out from the back and then getting the win, a tough away win against, uh, you know, a hungry Vienna. <clears throat> I didn't, you know, I didn't even watch it because I was, I was working and I just didn't get a chance to get around to it. Um, what I have heard is, yeah, Len- Leno was a bit shaky. I heard the game was an awful watch, but I heard there was one player on the pitch that was head and shoulders above everyone else and that's yeah. Thomas Party. Um, and he was just, he just oozed class, he oozed control. I am going to rewatch the game. Um, but the, all of the reports were that he was by far the outstanding player on the pitch, which I think bodes well for us in a position that we haven't really had a good player in since Fabregas. Yeah. Him Sorry. and Gabriel, him and Gab- rather than watch the whole game, just maybe mm. just search highlights. But Partey did what mm. he did. He just sort of showed his class against a lesser opposition, albeit, but just linked up play, was on the offensive, was strong. And then Gabriel just going from strength to strength, which I think has been Arsenal's uh, key signing. He looked really solid. Uh, Louise and Leno looking shaky as ever. Uh, and Bellerin, great assist, great ball from El Nene. He seems to have got a reprise now from Arteta and Bellerin with the assist for tapping with Aubameyang. Um, so all good with Europa. Um, just before, I'll just move on. What we like to do, how and our listeners we know is a prediction, although the podcast is going out Monday morning, we just have a quick prediction and thoughts on the reviews for this Sunday's games. We're going to go Southampton-Everton. Uh, what's your thoughts on the way Everton have sort of pushed on, looking really strong this season, and do you think they can get a result away to Southampton? Uh, well, I suppose technically even a defeat is a result. Um, what I look at is since Southampton got beaten 9-0 by Leicester. By the way, it's the anniversary of that this weekend. Uh, Southampton have got as many points as Leicester. I think Southampton will be too strong for Everton. I like uh, Ralph Hasenhurtl, which translates as Ralph Rabbithutch. I think that uh, (laughs) Southampton will will win this one 1-0. Yeah, I think that'll be uh, my prediction. I don't like doing predictions. I'm really, really bad at them. Okay, we'll just do the review then. Um, can anyone see? Uh, so Ash and I usually, I usually sit on the fence and like going for a, a Desmond or so. But um, I see, I see a one-all draw. Uh, yeah, I this one. I think yeah. it's a draw. Yeah, I think it's a draw. I think both Ings and Calvert Lewin score. I'm just about to say that. Uh, and then we've got Wolves Newcastle. Uh, Cal, what's your views on Wolves Newcastle? Can you see anything past the Wolves win? Um, I'm actually a bit of a. Steve Bruce fan at the moment. I think he's he's done some really good things this season. Um, I'm, I'm liking the way that uh, St. Maximan's been playing. Um, I'm liking the signing of Callum Wilson. And, um, you know, maybe Newcastle aren't the most consistent team, but I like the way they're going forward and trying to play attractive attacking football and they are scoring goals. 
Um, and uh, Wolves kind of, you know, like <clears throat> they used to be the informed team, but they're not so much looking that great anymore. Um, and I do think Newcastle can possibly get at them. But, uh, you know, Wolves, you know, having brought in Semedo, Traore hasn't been firing. He's been coming off the bench, hasn't been involved as much. I don't know. I mean, Nuno does like to switch up his team a little bit. So we might just see Traore get a start. Um, and that devastating pace could tear Newcastle open. We'll see. I think John Joe Shelby's had a, a, a pretty decent start to the season. Mm. He can create. Mm. Um um, and it's always going to be tough going away uh, for Newcastle, uh, going to Molyneux. But I think they can get a result. I, I would like to see a cheeky 2-1 Newcastle. Um, that's, that's But Jimenez is obviously uh, always a threat in front of goal. You've got pole dense as well. Wolves are potent. Um, so I think they will score. I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle. Nice. Um, with these teams sort of uh, playing Sunday and Monday, uh, having been played in Europa League, um, how, what's your thoughts on sort of Sheffield United missing out in Europa and then dealing with the Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Monday fixture list <laughs> and teams having to, to struggle to, to either stay in, the, well, stay in the top half of the Prem or push on for the top four, top six and play in backwater European countries sort of are you happy in a way that Sheffield United have missed that once they can concentrate solely on the league no because it's not going very well this season <laughs> and uh, wouldn't have made any difference I mean we were used to that when we we're in the championship you play 46 games you play Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday we were used to it and we won games and winning breeds success and it might have been my only taste of European football in my lifetime so no I was absolutely devastated that we didn't get into Europe the money the players we could have attracted uh, would have been fantastic for the club and perhaps cemented our place in the Premier League for many years to come mm. well I guess we'll never know mm. <laughs> the one thing I the one thing I cling to that I look at as a positive is I couldn't have gone to see the mighty red and white wizards in Europe in perhaps the only chance we get there so that was slightly softened the blow because I should be there to see my team play in Europe for the first time in my lifetime. Some great away day games there, tasting different uh, foods and beards and and, and whatnot. Um, moving on, we have got the big clash: Arsenal Leicester at quarter past seven. Um, <sighs> Vardy, if he plays, I don't know if he's fit, Ash, I don't know if you know or not, but he's got a history of being a thorn in the side there and um, popping yeah. up and scoring. Arsenal need to switch it on, you know, defensively sound, look a lot more stable and need a big result now after losing to Liverpool and City. Need to turn it around here uh, and sort of scrape in the win uh, recently against Sheffield United. So, views on that, Ash? Yeah, quickly, just going to the Newcastle Wolves game. I am oh, yeah. praying for a Wolves clean sheet because <laughs> I've got two defenders. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't even care if it's nil nil. <laughs> like, seriously, I just need Wolves not to concede. But going back to this game, so yeah, Vardy, Vardy has a very good record against us. Um, I'm a lot more confident in us as a defensive, um, as a defensive team. Um, we are, we've got a good record. But we just look so limp, limpless up front. And I do think it's time to move Aubameyang from the left through the centre. I think this is just, it's not working. Put put William out there, put Pepe on the wings, put Sakrin in an advanced position. But please put Aubameyang through the centre because, yeah, I think that little that little experiment is fine. But now we need to change it up. Um, and we see more creativity as well. I think we need to go to 4-3-3 if I'm honest. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think that's what he wants to do. Uh, and he would have done with the back four with Holding and Gabriel. But I think Holding mm. had a bit of a bit of an injury. Uh, William obviously needs to pull his finger out a bit more and what's best position for Saka. Uh, <clears throat> Lacazette does it some games, but not, you know, not not great. And Eddie Nketi, I think the uh, the verdict's still out for him. Great finisher. Uh, mm. Obviously for England under 21. My uh, name is my name. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking the record of Alan Shearer and Francis Jeffers. No, Francis Jeffers doesn't get uh, the mention, but I can understand why. Uh, so it's still left to ponder for Arteta, but um, we're all hoping for an Arsenal win, which will probably mean it's going to be a, a draw. Uh, and we'll just move on. Cal, anything about the Arsenal-Leicester game, your, your views on that? Because I know you're a gooner. Um, both teams have had an interesting result in Europe. Um Leicester probably rotated a lot. Didn't actually look at the team sheet, uh, but I'm expecting they would have rotated their team a lot. 
Um, so I don't think either team will have a, an advantage or disadvantage uh, because of uh, one team being in Europe and one team not being in Europe, which possibly might affect Wolves against Newcastle. Newcastle might be a bit fresher. Um, and uh, in terms of form, uh, is, is, is Vardy back yet for this fixture? I'm not sure if Vardy's back yet. I, not sure. they, they I reckon he, he might be. They're saying he might be back for it, but there's no confirmed news. Probably come off the bench if he does, if at all. So, you know, watch this, watch this space. Uh, Monday, we've got Brighton, West Brom. Uh, must win for Brighton. I think they could get that there. Um, Burnley, Spurs. Uh, Spurs did really well. They've got Bale now playing after sort of... Uh, they did well in Euro- uh, Europa midweek and disappointing result against West Ham. So they'll be looking to bounce back from that. Um so yeah, I think Spurs could really, you know, I think once Spurs sort out their sort of mentality and get it over the line, there'll be a real handful this season because they seem Mourinho seems to be getting everything in place now and the, and the new uh, purchases that they got and then a few players on loan as well. The Venetius, is it? Um, yeah, strike. Look really sharp. Yeah, really, really sharp. Great assist uh, midweek with a header, sort of cushion header, and Sun bearing it there. And um, Sun Kane playing absolutely out of their skin and Kane early contentions for player of the season with his passing and goals as well. So Yeah, like the ball, some of his passing has been stunning. The oh, ball he played for um, Son's first goal last week was just so good. Yeah. But again, one of the best performances I ever saw from Harry Kane, sorry, a quick um, aside, was do you remember when England beat Spain 3-2? Um, and he'd done a similar thing. He got two assists in that game, playing almost like as a false nine, like played as a 10 with like, I think it was Sterling and Rashford bombing on. Like, he's got so much to his game. Hence why I said he's clear of someone like Rashford. But we'll get back to that another time. <laughs> different, different, there's different type of quality, different type of game. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We'll move on. General news. Okie dokie. How are you doing for time, Cal? Uh, it's about 37 minutes. Oh, we're flying through. Flying through, flying through. So, we've got general news. I just want a quick uh, recognition for someone we've had on the show before. Uh, someone I know really well, Mr. Badu, Nana Badu, part of Badu Sports out in uh, Hackney in East London, does a lot of great work, not only in the sports department with primary and secondary schools, but also in uh, tutoring and mentoring young people out of uh, the Stratford Hub by uh, Westfields. And he's recently received the Lionheart Award, which was presented to him by the legend that is Sol Campbell. Um, just doing a lot of good work in the community, like I said, and sort of currently with the news of free school mills, the government, uh, members of parliament voting against it, not wanting to renew it over the sort of, uh, uh, you know, breaks or whatnot. And it's all coming to the forefront. So just recognising Mr. Badu for what he's doing, hats off to you. Uh, so, yeah, that was it, really. Just a quick shout on that one. Moving shout on. Shout out to Mr. Badu, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Mr. Badu. I think it's worth highlighting because um, he's doing some really good work in the community and um, and it's just nice to see them going from strength to strength. Yeah, massively, massively. Um, so we're all about that. Right. Arsene Wenger's book. Has anyone... Well, I know I've ordered it. I've got it. Cal, you've got it. Ash, have you... Yeah, got I've got it. it. Um, I, w- I was going to start it. I started another book first, um, which is Amy Lawrence, The Invincibles book. So oh, yeah, that's meant to it. be really good. That's yeah, really no, good. so good. The insight it kind of gives you and I think that was a nice kind of precursor to um, the Wenger book. So I'm going to start it. I've been doing a bit of a reading challenge over the last two or three months. So like half an hour a day minimum. And I've got through quite a lot of books. So that is after um, one book, I'm going to read that. So nice, yeah, looking nice. forward to it. Um, how Have you ordered it? Uh, if you haven't, what are you reading currently? I know you chuckle, but he's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a must read, surely, for any sort of book ah. fan. I really like Arsene Wenger. I listened to a fabulous interview he did the other day with the BBC. He is so easy to listen to. It's such a shame he's not still involved in the beautiful game. Just the things that he brought to the league, we owe him a debt of gratitude for the way that the Premier League currently is, and it is the greatest league in the world. And I think some of that has to be down to Arsene Wenger. So, yeah, got a lot of time for him. Uh, I'm currently reading uh, Paddy Kenny's book, and uh, I'm also dipping in and out of uh, Bob Booker's book, which is not easy to say, and I have to cut <laughs> in instalments. Uh, fun thing about Bob Booker, he's the, the player that the chant, ooh, ah, Bob Booker, was created, uh, not ooh, ah, Cantona, which a lot of people think, or ooh, ah, Paul McGrath. So just like, have you know that. Good, 
good one, good one for the pub quiz there. Um, I'm reading The Nowhere Men by Michael Calvin about sort of the untold story of football scouts uh, uh, around the country and traveling Europe, which is fascinating, so I recommend that. But the, uh, the Wenger book, it was shared as a PDF. Uh, someone sent a PDF, uh, but I, I bought the hard copy as well. Uh, reading that, and it's been really interested in his press run. He's been on uh, every show's on the on uh, the Athletic podcast. He was on the BBC, like you said. How he was on, um, he was the uh, Graham Norton, the annoying, yeah, the annoying little host Graham Norton. He was on that, and he made that bearable. I don't really watch that, but you could just sit and listen to him for hours about anything, not only about football, but about life, relationships, and he's such a such a wise man, and you can understand why he did so well in the Premier League and uh, around the world. So we really recommend that book. Moving on. Now, has anyone got a favourite Wenger moment? I know we didn't put this in the notes, but I just thought I'd, I'd put that to our listeners yeah, and I to the hosts and the, and the guests. Every time he tried to do up that massive jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Quilt jacket, yeah. Uh, can I be serious? Uh, my favourite Wenger moment is when he offered to replay the game against Sheffield United, mm. uh, which is a great gesture. Uh, obviously it wasn't his fault uh, what happened in that game where uh, Carnu sort of I think Carnu scored from an Overmars cross when uh, Alan Kelly our goalkeeper put the ball out for an injury to an Arsenal player and it wasn't thrown back as is tradition in every other game of football that's ever been played yeah no, that was a good time who was your manager then was it Steve Bruce yeah I thought it was Bruce yeah 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 um, Ash what's your favourite Wenger moment if any that's tough um I think he made that comment of everyone thinks they have the prettiest wife at home. <laughs> it was just <laughs> abs- like, like, yeah, just it was amazing. I think my fa- no, my favorite, my favorite um, Arthur Wenger moment is when I actually saw him. So I had done an interview with Lauren back in two thousand and four, just after the Battle of Old Trafford, and he walked past me, and I got to sit in on his press conference. So that's my my personal memory of him is actually sitting in on a press conference. Touch, Cal. Any any fond memories other than sort of the number of trophies? Obviously, um, um, a personal but, one, uh, which uh, maybe isn't a fond memory, but it's a memory. <laughs> and uh, it was when I was at the the Arsenal reserves. I used to go and sit in the stands, and uh, and one day I went just sort of with my head down, walking up, and then as I looked up, I saw a steward, and then a couple of rows behind the steward was Arsene Wenger sitting there in the stands. And I was just be like, oh, I'm in the wrong stand, don't I? So I went back down and and found another place to sit. Um, so yeah, I was uh, maybe about ten feet away from Arsene Wenger, and uh, he looked right in right right in my eyes as well. And he was just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> that sounded mad. Again, I had out by Wenger. He looked in your eyes, and you just crumbled. You just oh, sugar, I He's melted. He's melted. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi mind bit there, just uh, just moving along. But um, what a legend! Story and... of the year. What a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, talking of love stories and this one ending in tragedy, the story of Meza Ozil uh, being uh, admitted from the Arsenal squad, not got a place at the moment. He's, him or his PR team have been, have been on social media, um, you know, paying, offering to pay the Gunnosaurus wages recently and then tweeting about, uh, he left a statement saying, you know, Arsenal have not been as loyal as he would have been. He had offers in the summer. He chose to stay. He feels he hasn't been supported with his views on uh, the issues of sort of Muslims being mistreated in China and mm. then obviously taking a wage cut, um, not being told sort of any more detail about it. And he feels he's been scapegoated there. And now he's been left out completely. Arteta has sort of said, I've given everyone a chance. It's solely on footballing reasons. Um, it's sad, man. Ash, I know you're a fan. I mean, every, who, who isn't a fan of Ozil? Obviously, he's one of the greatest sort of players uh, in recent history. Obviously, with Germany, Real Madrid and at Arsenal with his assists and what he brings to the game. Um, sad, sad, sad. That he's uh, he's he's coming to this way, and there's you know for a number of reasons. But what's your views on the whole Ozil situation? So to start with, I think Arsenal tend to do this thing where they kind of like bite themselves in the bum. So they spoke about not wanting to make political statements in relation to kind of China and treatments of Muslims, and then they've also they've come out this week and put a press release regarding. Um, the NSARS campaign in Nigeria, which, again, both are reprehensible, both are disgusting, and both need support from everyone. I don't think it's a case of picking and choosing 
what, what, like, what, like what we're going to do in terms of, oh, we might pick this political issue, but we're not going to pick this, like that one. I think there should be a level of consistency there. That's the first thing I'd say. Secondly, I think Mesut Ozil, it's a really tricky one with me because while he's still creative and while I know he's a good football player, um, there have been times where he's he's underwhelmed. He's he's failed to live up to 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 his not even his wage, just his reputation. Like money to me isn't even that big of a deal when it comes to him. It's more to do about I know how good you are as a football player and you're not hitting those limits. So when you're not hitting those limits, it's really hard to make a justification for you to be in a team. Having said that, we we do lack creativity. We struggle in certain games. If he's on it, he's gonna make a difference. But when he does play, he hasn't been making a difference. I just yeah. think that what's also, what I think that a point that's kind of been missed in this is Arteta and Ozil played together and they're actually very close. So it, it's, it would be really hard for the manager to probably say, I might want to play him. Because remember, when, when Arteta first came in after, um, when first yeah, when he first came in, Mesut Ozil started like 10 games in a row. Like he was very much like a fixture in the team and it's changed very, very quickly. So it is to do with the club. I think the club needs to make a clear stance. Either you pay off his contract and you and you get rid of him, or or you just say, you know what, let's like let's go. He signed the contract. Clubs will, will get rid of someone when they don't want them. So if a player makes a stance, I get why they make that stance. If you really want to get rid of him, pay off his contract and just keep the issue moving. But Arsenal are choosing not to do that. Yeah, not been handled too well. Mm. Um, from one Arsenal legend, uh, arguably, to a young, uh, what could have been Jack Wilshire. Uh, reportedly sort of still hasn't found a team uh, been released from West Ham uh, unfairly some might say or sort of that's the, that's the nature of the, the business um, how does he would you have him in a Sheffield United squad has he still got something to offer he's a brilliant player the only area Sheffield United are strong in is midfield <laughs> uh, you know we need defenders and we need strikers so uh, you know I think it would be a waste of what would be for Sheffield United probably smashing our wage structure, which is you know, usually reportedly the lowest in the league. Uh, so I think it's unlikely. I don't think he'd want to come and play for Sheffield United anyway. I think he'd probably have his sights set on uh, a team that would be pushing for uh, Europe. Uh, and that's, as you've already mentioned, uh, not where we are currently. So, uh, yeah, I mean, whilst I can recognise his talents, the goal he scored for Arsenal against Norwich is still one of the greatest goals I've mm. ever seen. And it's such a shame because for England, as I'm an England fan, what could have been and maybe what still can be, but I don't think Sheffield United is the club he should be looking for. There are other clubs, I would say Crystal Palace would be at Absolutely, the mm. perfect landing spot for Jack Wilshire. That is a good shout. That is a good shout. I think he could help them there. Um, so sad to see. I mean, can you imagine just sort of taking the dog for a walk or going for a run, looking over, and there's Jack Wilshire pinging 30, 40 yarders and just running with his chest out, pigeon style, head up. Uh, we wish that he gets, uh, he finds a team, hopefully in the new year, uh, once all the dust settles with COVID and teams get their affairs in orders financially. Uh, we wish him all the well uh, all the best sorry right uh, we keep going with legends here um, we've got legends on the panel talking we'll talk about Pele at 80 years old um, I don't really know too much about this so I'm going to pass it on to whoever brought this link up but yeah the legend yeah is. no yeah so Pele um, is 80 this this week um, arguably the greatest footballer to ever play the game um, he's not mine but I know a lot of people put him up as the big one. So initially, there was a big debate between Pele and Maradona. It's kind of evolved now to Messi and Ronaldo, but it's just acknowledging an absolute legend to the game. Like um, I think he's still the I think he's still Brazil's leading scorer, but that could soon be Neymar if I'm right. I think he's not too far off of him. So yeah, just an absolute legend for the game. Um, and yeah, just 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 acknowledge um, an 80th birthday. I hope I hope we all get to see 80 and beyond. That's Big time. I, I bet he could still do one or two little uh, samba shimmies and. Um... Ah, he's still better. He's better than me. <laughs> he's better than me, and he's 80. Yeah, that's a, that's a shout. Um, I think sort of going back with this sort of the this endless debate of the goat or the greatest of all time. As I always say, it's generation. You know, every generation's got their great and players that we didn't grow up watching wouldn't sort of fall in, in our in our line of, of, of who we had as the greats. But um, definitely for what he brought to the table. Uh, how, what's your views on sort of, not Pele, because that's a bit of general, but sort of, yeah, his, his, what he's brought to the table and uh, turning 80, long may yeah. it continue. He's been busy. He's had seven kids. 
Uh, he scored 77 goals, I think it is, for Brazil. I know Neymar's mm. actually still still chasing that, but Neymar might beat that because I think he's on something like 64. Uh, so Pele was like a one-club man for Santos. And he mm. nowadays, if he'd been playing, he'd have been lured away to Europe and there would be a, a generation older than us or maybe even older than them. You know, our grandparents and our fathers would have been telling us more about Pele. So maybe that's why, because certainly it would have been very hard growing up in, um, you know, Yorkshire in the 60s to see footage of Santos games regularly. So, you know, my dad wouldn't have seen too much of him. Uh, he played for New York Cosmos as well and really uh, brought football or soccer uh, to the States in a big way. So he's got to be responsible for that. And I love what we, as our generation, know him for, uh, those Viagra adverts. <laughs> That's probably what's still going going strong with our seven uh, seven <laughs> kids and everything. Um, very fertile. He's in the back it's, of a few nuts. Yeah, not only scoring in front of goals, scoring <laughs> elsewhere. Um, so yeah, happy birthday to Pele. We're gonna have to sort of bring up some some footage now and um, get into that on Sunday uh, before the football starts. He Today. he has he, he has the best goal that was never scored. Mm. Yeah, a hundred percent. That dummy that he does. Because everyone still thinks he scores it, but he does the dummy and then he ends up missing. But that dummy was just ridiculous. And the halfway line. Exactly, the halfway line. I mean, Pele is arguably famous for misses. And he scored, (laughs) he actually scored more goals than games he played. Mm. And yet he's famous for two misses. And then also that save. Do you remember that massive save from, was it Banks? The one that he turned over. Like even that, that was from Pele. So that could be three misses. Do you remember from the old uh, fantasy football with uh, Badil and Skinner, the the videos of Pele was sort of, was shy or was crap, whatever. And they just showed all all the shots of Pele ballooning it into the uh, top (laughs) tier and just... (laughs) That yeah, was that's brilliant. true. They they were big on the having a go at Pele and Jason Lee. And actually, the Gordon Banks uh, Gordon Banks save. People now say that's the the best save, and it was only bettered by David Seaman um, against Sheffield United. You might remember in the uh, oh, FA Cup semi final. Yeah, when it was behind him, literally, and he just scoops it out of the goal mouth. You know, that still for me is the greatest save of all time. Yeah, I remember Pele. Slightly different competition, with all due respect to yeah. uh, Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ash, go on. No, I remember Pele um, on Pro Evolution Soccer when you used to get like the classic um, like Brazil or Argentina teams. He was just so good. So run, that's, run, yeah, run. yeah, yeah. So that I was. I thought that... my reference was a bit of a reach, but uh, thanks, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what it is. I'm thinking about obviously PS5 are coming out soon, people. Um, go get yourself one if you can afford one. But yeah, no, I'm just thinking back to like computer games are playing with Pele. Yeah, um, it would be like the Michael Jordan of uh, playing on the computer games. Um, right, from Pele at 80 to Mason Greenwood, the youngster, uh, m- sort of more disciplinary issues. Uh, apparently, Mason Greenwood appear- uh, turning up late to training. Um, is he throwing away an opportunity now? We sort of worked so hard to come up through the ranks of Man United, getting the reserves. He's been... He's not been thrown into the spotlight, but um, a striker with obviously a lot to prove. Did really well bursting into scene towards the end of the season and now doesn't seem to be getting his act together um, with Man United. Uh, disciplinary issues away in Iceland with Phil Foden, who scored on the weekend and then turned up late. Um, you know, I think, do you think it's just a matter of Solskjaer putting an arm around his shoulder and uh, helping him or maybe Rashford speaking to him? Uh, pass that to Ash what's your thoughts on that so, so on that it's really interesting because Solskjaer has actually already been out and defended him so it wasn't it wasn't uh, um, a United thing and such it's people who are just like trying to stick the boot in Solskjaer okay. said he's happy with him he's always on time um, there's been no issues he supports the team the team support him but I think this is starting to get in line with what we was expecting where it doesn't take much for a young starlet to become the figure of fun or it doesn't become much for potential to turn into people actually pointing fingers at him rather mm. than actually trying to build him up. So I'm very I'm watching this very, very closely because as we said in the Iceland incident, there were two players involved. Like Foden has come back and done well. Mason Mason Greenwood hasn't had as many opportunities to play um as other as 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 Foden has. But I'm gonna be very, very closely watching the coverage of Mason Greenwood because yeah. I'm starting to see some of the things I've seen with other players already, and it's not good. How do you th- how do you think it's like uh, 
sort of the whole witch hunt with Raheem Sterling now. Everyone's turning their attention to Greenwood and everything that he does, whether it's sort of people doing balloons in the same room or a party and he's being associated with hippie crack or, you know, this picture of he's being painted as sort of being late. Do you think there's an agenda now with the media? They've turned their sights on the young Man United starlet. Yeah, it's possible. The warning signs were there when he, uh, I don't know if it was he that released it, but a video came out just before he burst onto the scene of him and his girlfriend in a car. And uh, some of the things he was saying were really inappropriate. And uh, I remember showing that to uh, to my wife and she was like, I don't like this man. I didn't even know who he was. And, uh, you know, since then I've always had like, I've always looked at him a bit warily. Like, it, was he is he sensible in the way he thinks about the fact that he's in the spotlight? He's a professional, and he needs to be professional. He's playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world, uh, not the first United, crucially, but a a United. And uh, yeah, he needs to remember where he is, what he is doing, who he's representing. And sometimes I think he's been at fault. I think with Sterling, a lot of the criticism that's come his way has been totally unfair. But Mason's actually making a lot of these mistakes himself. And I think that's a youngster that will look back on some of his early decisions in his career and regret them. But he, he's got plenty of time to sort this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we hope he does. Uh, from one Man United player to another, uh, Donny van der Beek being left on the bench, looking really upset yesterday at the mm. Chelsea game. And then Gary Neville questioning his decision to sign uh, Man United to sign him. Um, Ash, he should be starting, surely. I mean, the guy is class. Yeah. He's left He's left Ajax, who just banged a team 12-0, whatever they're in. You know, they're playing Champions League football. Mm. Um, and he's moved to Manchester. Doesn't seem to be fitting in, fitting in at the moment. Yeah. It was 13, which is mad. By the 13, end. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But um, like, this is what I don't understand. So they've got Fernandez, they've got Pogba, they've got Van der Beek. I don't think you can play all three of them. Pogba hasn't been playing recently because he has been out of form. So once you take Pogba out, you put Van der Beek in. I don't understand why Fred and McTominay are playing ahead of this guy. Like, it doesn't make sense. To be fair, United shouldn't have signed him anyway. Because they've got, that's one of the areas where they're strongest. They needed another centre-back. They needed a better left-back, which they, they eventually got. There were certain things they needed to kind of strengthen. However, once you get someone like him, and if you choose to pick, if you choose to drop the person who's his direct rival, he should then be playing. There's no way you can tell me that McTominay and Fred offer more than him. So I think it's just I think it's ridiculous that he's not playing. And if I was him or his agent, I'd be pissed off too. Mm, not looking good. Um, right. Let's touch on Ansu Fati. This article briefly, because I know he scored in El Clasico and apparently broke Crowell's record. Uh, youngest goal scorer, apparently. Uh, teenage scores in Barcelona's uh, victory. Uh, Spanish newspaper denounced for Ansu Fati street seller comparison. We spoke about Mason Greenwood in the media and now Ansu Fati uh, match report compared his pace to that of a black street seller fleeing from the police. What is all this about? Did anyone mm. read this article? Yeah, I did. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And they, like, again, people know what they're doing now. Like, you can't continue to make these mistakes. They can't continue to, to slip through editors and sub-editors and all of those kinds of things. Like, people are wanting these things to kind of come out, and it just shows these newspapers in a really, really negative light. I think it's disgusting. I really do. I think for I really anyone do. That, that doesn't quite understand what's going on here, uh, if you've ever been on holiday to one of the Spanish islands, um, you might have uh, seen what is known as a looky-looky man, mm. um, which is typically uh, someone from Africa, African immigrant, probably uh, selling stuff on the street, like selling sunglasses, hats, you know, stuff like that. And so to compare a professional footballer to, to somebody like that, that's it's not a flattering comparison, is it? Mm. Yeah. No. It's, like no, it's run away from the police, like all of the all of the negative stereotypes they can put on him, they've done. He's an exceptional young talent. Like he's doing what he should be doing. Like it's not it's not right. It's not cool. And yeah, they've they've taken it back and they've apologized, but it shows your intent. And that's the thing. Like saying sorry doesn't doesn't change what you've done. It's it's, it's yeah, it's awful. When I read it, I was disgusted. Absolutely disgusted. Not good. Not good. But um, yeah. That's mad. That is mad. That's mad. But we don't condone that, obviously. And uh, we thought we'd just bring that up uh, at the tail end of the general news. Right. Just before we wrap it up, I'm just going to pass it over. Uh, any more features, anything else you'd like to say uh, before we go? How anything you'd like to sign off with before we thank you? Yeah. For 
I would just like to, uh, because we've been sort of highlighting uh, great players, uh, my favourite player and my nephew's favourite player is uh, Billy Sharp. And uh, I just thought I'd let you know that no player has scored more goals in England's top four leagues during the 21st century than Billy Sharp. Uh, the Blade Skipper's tally currently stands at 231 since wow. the turn of the millennium. And I think that that deserves uh, some, some praise because the man just keeps on going at his age. And I, I love him. How, how old is he now? How old is he now? And how far down the pecking order of, of strikers is he? Uh, he's not too far down the pecking order. He scored uh, in our previous game against uh, Fulham just before uh, Liverpool. He is 34 years young, but he's got a birthday coming up at the start of next year. Oh, well, amazing. No, yeah, still do a job. And uh, yeah, the real talisman for Sheffield United over the, over the years. Um, so yeah, hats off to him. Uh, Ash, anything you'd like to sign off with before we go? Nah, just it was so good to hear about Sheffield United. Um, and yeah, we spoke about Ollie Norwood as well, who I think needs to get back into the team because um, I let Hal finish on it. But yeah, he's a he's a player who I've looked at and I liked him a lot last season. Yeah, that's an his... assist. There's the fruit ball. Hal, go on, put it home uh, with his ping. Ollie Norwood's amazing. His long range of passing, his set piece delivery. When he plays well, Sheffield United play well. The only reason he sometimes gets dropped is when he plays badly. He plays really badly, and Sheffield United also don't tick. He is the Claude Makélélé, the battery for the watch for the Mighty Blades. <laughs> Brilliant. And Cal, anything before we uh, like to add before we sign off? Yep, two quick things. One, uh, very excited about this talk of a European Premier League, um, which it looks like uh, is a, a tournament that FIFA are putting together. Um, I saw a report on Sky Sports News where they mentioned there was going to be some investment coming in from JP Morgan. Uh, a, a package of $6 billion has been uh, mentioned. Uh, and this is a a tournament that's going to involve Manchester United, Liverpool, up to five teams from the Premier League, teams from all the biggest uh, uh, leagues in Europe. And um, the fact that it's going to be headed by FIFA is very interesting because that is obviously going to become a rival to UEFA's Champions League. Um, so exactly how it's going to go down is still, it's still open for debate. What teams are going to be involved is open for debate. There's talk there may be up to 18 teams involved from all of the biggest leagues in Europe and it will run alongside the domestic calendar and the Champions League. Uh, and it, I don't know, it seems like a bit of a money grab. Um, Massive money grab. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe coming off the, the tail end off of the coronavirus and the impact that it's had on football, maybe they needed to push something through to... to get some of the revenue that they've lost out on. Mm. Um, it is something that's been talked about for a long time, European Super League. Um, but the timing of it coming through now just seems a bit weird. But um, yeah, and it could actually have a, a huge negative impact because it's going to obviously widen the divide between the richest clubs and the poorest clubs. Yeah. Uh, because there's going to be a lot of money involved in, in such a tournament. And it's only the big teams that are invited to this party. So something to watch out for, this potential European Premier League. It uh, looks like a huge change in football, probably change football um, massively. It'll be completely different to what we know now, wouldn't it, if that comes in. Um, and uh, just a quick shout out to the Inter Miami, um, the Dons <laughs> on the other side of the world, headed by the president, David Beckham, East London's very own. And um, yeah, they won. 2-1 in their last game last night um, against Orlando City um, and uh, they're, they're doing very well. Three games left to go and they're, they're going to finish you know, not on the bottom maybe uh, about 10th in the table and uh, it's, it's yeah, I'm very happy to see how they're doing. Currently, okay. currently sitting 10th in the table 14 teams in the league. Three games to go. Well done. And we want to try and get Cal over to Miami. <laughs> That is our mission, uh, being the... Uh... <laughs> GoFundMe page just started. No, seriously, I do actually enjoy the, the, the MLS <laughs> review. And I now look out for their results, Cal. So you're working. It's you're working, working, man. It's working. It's getting an interest in the, in the Miami team. And obviously, David Beckham being a, a local lad for Cal and I, uh, it's, it's good to get that on board. So interesting, interesting, wonderful. Right. This is the Play On podcast. At podcast play on as part of the beer rap and banter at beer rap bands podcast team um i've been your co-host ben english i've been ash i've been cal and how thank you so much bro mm. uh, we really appreciate having you on 
Uh, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, thank you. And uh, everyone, if they're interested in listening to how uh, further uh, the discussions on Sheffield United, where can we hit you up and support you, social media, etc., etc.? I would suggest that you uh, follow at Chef United Way on Twitter. Uh, you can also go to youtube.com forward slash in good Nick. And if you want to listen to me on the radio, I'm on Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on uh, BFBS Worldwide. Really Are you, uh, you quite active on Twitter there, Hal? I am. Ah, okay. So we've got someone to banter with when the Sheffield United <laughs> games are on. Absolutely. Awesome. Brilliant, brilliant. And as always, uh, you listeners, thank you for listening. Make sure you share with someone and hope you have a good week. Wash your hands. Wear a face mask, please. Don't be like those idiots protesting in central London for not wearing a face mask, jeez. And uh, yeah, have a good week. Take care. Peace. Up the blades. <laughs>